In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Judas figures prominently into the passion story of our Lord Jesus for all the wrong reasons. Judas is a name that has reverberated down through history and is synonymous with being a traitor. Even some of the legends surrounding the origins of vampires, interestingly enough, deals with a cup made of the silver coins that were melted down that Judas had, that had bought Judas to betray Jesus. Now, obviously, this story is a myth, but it underscores the evil of Judas in betraying the one who is life incarnate in bringing about in legends death itself incarnate. The great poet of the Middle Ages, Dante Alighieri, who wrote The Inferno, placed Judas in the lowest level of hell, farthest away from the love of God. So, I think you get the point. Tonight we consider the person of Judas who serves for us purely as a warning. We will look at his plan to betray Jesus, the fact that he actually carries it out, and then his end in suicide. So first, Judas' betrayal of Jesus began with a plan. Before the passion story proper picks up, we hear the story of Mary putting an expensive ointment, a perfumed ointment, on the feet of Jesus. It was Judas who complained that this was a waste, that it should have been sold and the money given to the poor. But the, author of the, the authors of the gospel let us in on Judas's real motivation. John tells us that Judas was a thief who was in charge of the money bag who used to help himself from what was in it. Last week, when we read part of our passion story, we heard that Satan had put into the heart of Judas the idea of betraying Jesus, which happened when the chief priests and Judas got together and concocted this plan to entice Judas into betraying Jesus for the price of 30 pieces of silver. So Judas's vice, his desire for money, is not an uncommon one. We should file it under the Ninth and Tenth Commandments under covetousness, that unholy desire for that which God has not given to us. This is merely a symptom of our fallen desires. In fact, the Lutheran confessions say that covetousness, what Judas experiences here, is a synonym for our fallen nature. They use it as a synonym for original sin. So think back to the scriptures. Eve wanted what the fruit had promised to give her, that God was withholding. David wanted a woman that God had not given to him. Being afraid that someone else is going to get something that we don't have, or that someone else is going to get ahead of us, seizes every single Person. But the real danger of this sin, which resides exclusively in the heart, is what happens when it's left unchecked. Judas's desire for earthly riches led him to act on his plan to betray Jesus, which he did with all things a kiss. Now, ironically, 
A kiss is often a sign of reconciliation and peace among believers in the early church. And this stems all the way back to the Old Testament times. But in our reading for tonight, we see that Judas, Judas's kiss is a declaration of hatred and division between the Lord Jesus and his beloved disciple. St. James writes about this unchecked, covetous desire in our hearts. He says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Dear saints, Judas did not begin where he ended up. After all, Jesus had chosen him to preach the gospel, to drive out demons, and to heal the sick. The gospels are clear. God worked mighty wonders through all of the twelve, Judas included. And yet, even he was not immune to the lure of his sinful desires. Satan, that roaring lion, devoured Judas, who was lulled to a false sense of security to let down his own guard because of his own sin. And the really incriminating thing in all of this was that Judas had made a plan to betray his Lord. The writer of Hebrews says this about planned and willful sin. He says, For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Deliberate, willful, planned sin, like Judas's sin, is especially dangerous to the Christian soul. Hebrews goes on to say that this kind of sin, this planned kind of sin, is akin to trampling the Son of God underfoot and profaning the blood that he has shed for us for the forgiveness of sin. The only thing that is left for the one who has intentionally, willfully, deliberately sinned is to expect God's wrath. That person who knowingly and willfully has sinned, has planned to do it and carries it out, has stepped outside of God's grace. This is why the church simply can't turn her head when open, unrepentant sinners come to the Lord's table. When someone refuses to repent of their sin, we can't just turn our heads and ignore it. This is why the open homosexual or the cohabiting couple who say, who say they're sorry for their sins, but do nothing to turn away from their sins, cannot be admitted to the supper. This kind of sin is dangerous, and we must recognize it. This leaves us, lastly, to talk about Judas's final act, his suicide. For much of the church's history, Suicide was classified as a mortal sin, that is, a sin for which there is no forgiveness. This is because suicide really is an act of finality. You can't take your own life and then later go back and apologize for it and ask for forgiveness. That being said, 
Even Luther commented that there may be cases of suicide that are not actually the fault of the person who carries out the deed. He was willing to withhold judgment in certain cases involving this particular sin against the fifth commandment. But I would not be doing my job as a preacher of God's word if I downplayed the seriousness of Judas's suicide. Judas did break the fifth commandment in taking his own life. The scripture teaches us not to murder, and this would include doing harm to our own bodies. People loved by God. Many of you may not know this, but one of the last things that I had to do as a pastor when I was in Iowa was to conduct the funeral for a young man, a member of my congregation, who had taken his own life. I saw the destruction that act wrought upon the boy's mother and his brothers. The man who lived across the street from us, Carl, who was also a member of the congregation, had also experienced suicide in his family. His son had taken his own life, and then a few months later, in response to that, his father did as well. And so the suicide of the young man in Iowa in the last month that I was there opened those wounds again for, for this man. When suicide happens, often it's done to eliminate the pain that a person is in. But the only thing that it does is it leaves family and friends to pick up the pieces that are left and to ask the questions that amount to nothing more than blaming themselves for the death of their loved one. Suicide may seem like an escape from pain, but it does nothing but magnifies the pain and expands it into the lives of others. So we do not see a lot of redeeming value in the story of Judas. He is one of the few persons that we know for certain is in hell because there's a word from the Lord that tells us so. Jesus calls him a son of perdition, a son of hell. But let us remember what St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 when we consider the story of Judas. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. We must not put Christ to the test. These things happened as an example, but were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Judas was a disciple of Jesus, chosen by the Lord, one through whom God worked. And this means that for a time he believed the words and promises of God. But then the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life choked out this man's faith. It is possible to fall away from saving faith in Jesus. But it is also important that we balance that stark truth against that saving truth of the Lord's word. The Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 2, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. 
The blood of Jesus covers all sin. And that means that while we draw breath in this life, there is yet time to turn away from our sins and be embraced by the hands that were nailed to the cross to cancel out our debt of sin. Behold, dear saints, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Let us not deny our sin and cover it up, but let us boldly confess it. For we have a God who loves to forgive, who puts his Holy Spirit in us to to rule our hearts and our minds, and to enable us to do battle against the evil that is in us. He is faithful, and he will provide a way of escape from all temptation. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.